Welcome to a Euro 2016 edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Ben Littleton and a special guest, Chelsea goalkeeper, Asmir Begovic. Asmir, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Um, guys, the, the Euro 2016 tournament is down to its final 16. The group stage is over. I feel like it just started. It always happens like this, so many games so quick, and then it's done. Um, Asmir, let's let's start with you. I guess what anything it's in particular stand out for you from the group stage uh, that that you take going into the knockout round? Um, I just think the thing that struck me this year and with this tournament is just how wide open it is. I think there's been so many close games, so many teams in it. Um, obviously, with the new format, it's it's kept it going really to the last second of the of the group stages. So I just think it's really really open. In the, maybe in the past couple of tournaments, you've always seen a team like Spain who just look a cut above the rest, whereas this year, I think it's wide open for anyone to make a run, and uh, now it gets really interesting. 16 teams left, and it seems like it's anyone's game, and whoever gets on a run could uh, could very well win it. Yeah, absolutely. Even, you know, you look at the favorites, and they're all pretty much on one side of the bracket, but Germany, France, Italy, Spain, England, nobody's looked unbeatable, um, which I guess, look, you don't want to this early in a tournament. You don't want to peak that early, but at the same time, there are still flaws that I think uh, these teams and, and the good teams that they're going up against can can take advantage of. Um, ben, talking about this this imbalanced bracket, when you look at the top half where, you know, it's it's going to be a, a, a team that hasn't won anything in the final one way or another, um, I guess, which which of those eight teams do you kind of see as as the one to get through to the final? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a team like Portugal that finished third in its group now has a has a huge opportunity to to have a more comfortable draw and, and go very deep in the competition, despite having had three pretty average group games. And I think this is where the the excitement of the format comes in, the new format. You're not guaranteed an easy draw, no matter where you end up. I mean, Italy have to feel hard done by, given that they won their group and end up facing Spain because Spain dropped points to Croatia. But in the top half of the group, everyone is really fancying Croatia now because of what they did against Spain. But don't forget, Spain missed a penalty in that game to go 2-1 up. And so I think Portugal have a huge opportunity to go a long way. And also Wales, because if any team really has been outstanding um, consistently in the, in the competition, I think Wales were brilliant against Russia. I think they were unlucky against England because England, although they dominated in that second half, they still only scored with 10 seconds left on the clock. And in Gareth Bale, they, they have a, a real game changer and one thing we haven't seen that that much of this tournament so far is the game changers making a difference. Bale has been an exception, but when you think of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Lewandowski, these players that went into the competition with the hopes of their teams upon them, they haven't really been able to deliver. So I think Wales and uh, Portugal are teams to watch in the top half. Yeah, if you had if you had said before the tournament that Neil Taylor would be outscoring Robert Lewandowski and Zlatan Ibrahimovic combined, I don't think that you uh, you would have had a, a lot of people taking you seriously. But that's that's what happened, and, and Zlatan's career is over. I would get your thoughts actually, Asmir, on on Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and his career uh, with Sweden. Obviously, he's he's going to keep playing. He's going to likely be playing at Manchester United if you believe everything you read. Um, but playing against him, what what kind of a of a competitor is is he? I mean, he for for me, I think he's one of the top top players in the world. We have, um, you know, even at his age, I think he can make a huge impact. I think because of his physical stature, and um, 
how he plays the game. His game hasn't changed too much over the last few years. You know, sometimes if you rely on pace, obviously as as you get older, that 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 slows you down a bit. Uh, but he's he's still got an impact, and wherever he goes, he will be able to to produce and do his thing. And he was, you know, the two games we played this year against PSG in the Champions League, he was a top player and someone who you can see is um, is a proper impact player. So I think he can still make a big big impact where he goes. He's a top player in my eyes, and you know, the only thing, obviously, you look at his career is that a little bit with Sweden, you know. I think they've always a little bit underperformed maybe with the teams and the expectations they've had. And you can say that maybe he hasn't had the best supporting cast and all that kind of stuff. But maybe the one thing he'll look back on is is the little bit, couple of disappointments in the tournaments he's had with Sweden. And, and maybe he would have liked to achieve more. But other than that, you know, I think his, his career has been pretty, pretty uh, flawless. I think it's interesting, guys, to look at what Sweden does next after Zlatan as well. Because there's a real sense in the country that when, when Zlatan plays, the whole team has to play through him. And he plays a centre forward, but sometimes he drops deep. Sometimes he goes out wide. And so what we've seen is the coach really playing to get the best out of Zlatan, but no one else. But don't forget, Sweden won the under-21s European Championships last summer. And they've got a good bunch of players that I think so far have been held back by Zlatan's presence. And now he's going to retire. I think we'll see Sweden developing into a more of an all-round team and they've got some good young talent coming through so while it's um it's a big moment i think it can be a positive for sweden as well oh that's that's definitely interesting a lot of times when you see sweden play it looks like it's latan and then 10 other 10 other guys and when look when you have a talent like that um you know portugal obviously is, is a better surrounding cast around ronaldo but it's still on ronaldo to get portugal to where it's going to go as we saw uh in their in their final game that ridiculous game uh, against hungary um Ronaldo, Asmir, do you think he gets uh, too many critics? Do you think he it's deserved? Do you think that his his play just speaks for itself? I know he's been in the in the spotlight for a, a number of different reasons in the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's top two player in the world. Um, so I think <laughs> the critics you can't there's not too many things you can criticize. Um, and and the the standards that he set, you know, it just was so ridiculously high that. If he falls one percent below that, then people people jump on the bandwagon to criticize Ronaldo. And you know, if he if he's not scoring fifty goals a year, scoring forty nine, it's, it's it's a bad season. So <laughs> I think we um, we get caught up in a bit of a, a fairyland talking talking about some of the criticism that he gets. Um, for me, he's a top top player. I've played against him numerous times, and I can tell you firsthand, he's just uh, just an amazing talent. And I think the respect that he deserves is the fact that he's 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 made made his own career. You know, he's. Messi's maybe a little bit more naturally gifted, but Ronaldo has worked really, really hard as craft and, and developed himself into an absolute machine. So, a top player. And again, that's the same thing, similar thing with Zlatan. He would probably like to do a little bit more with Portugal. That's the one thing he maybe hasn't done. So he'd like to go into a tournament like this and and, and really perform and 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 do something really well with uh, with Portugal. And and when you look at the draw, I mean, just going back on that thing is that this is as good of a chance for Portugal as they might ever get to get to a, get to a final. And, and this is on paper. And you look at Belgium, you will not get a better chance to get to a final. When when looking at this draw, now I understand Croatia is a good team, but if they get through Croatia, you know, you're looking, playing at Belgium, maybe in the semis, and this is as good of a chance as they're going to get to really make a, make a deep, deep run. Yeah, I agree. I actually picked Belgium to to win the whole thing. Yeah. I, I did mean, not they were a great price as well before the tournament. I think they're fifth or sixth favorite, so it's 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 on them now to do it. 
Yeah, I could not have imagined that they would have ended up with a draw like this. It it really is is set up nicely for them, especially after that loss to Italy. And it is funny, right? All these teams that have had these setbacks in this in this tournament, they end up getting a, in a much better position going forward. It's just the product of of the twenty four team uh, setup and and the fact that these third place finishers go through. Uh, what's funny to me is that if we were back in the old uh, the old rules, right? We're only sixteen only sixteen teams in the field. And they'd go through. Um, if that that Iceland uh, goal that they scored in the ninety fourth minute, that would have knocked Portugal out of the tournament in past in past years. Uh, and instead, it just bumps them down to third place, and they get a sweetheart draw. <laughs> it's just funny how it works. It's out. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just going back to what you were talking about facing against guys like Ronaldo and and Ibrahimovic as a, as a goalkeeper. Do you? find yourself preparing differently for them as, is there anything differently really that you can do aside from knowing the fact that they're pretty incredible at, at what they do? Well, listen, I, we first and foremost look at uh, big games like that and playing big players is, is a huge challenge. You know, that's what uh, you look forward to. That's what you makes you want to play at the highest level and, and being able to challenge yourself against the best is what we, uh, we really take a lot of pride in and, and motivates us really a great deal. So that's great. I'm, all, every individual, there's different ways. I mean, our coaches are fantastic at preparing us and, and thinking a little bit outside the box as to how we can get a bit of an edge and make sure we're 100% ready for when the challenge does come and those games come around. So uh, l- quite a lot of thought goes into the preparation. So uh, when, when guys like Ronaldo or Zlatan come around, obviously they can score so many different ways. So you have to be trying to get yourself prepared for as many scenarios and try to recreate those, those situations as much as you can in training. Sounds uh sounds fair enough. There have been um some free kick goals in this tournament that have been spectacular. There have also been some that have have uh they've obviously they've looked good, but it's also partly on the goalkeeper. When you see some of these, especially the ones that Bale uh has has hit, they've been great strikes, but at the same time you almost think the goalkeeper can do better. Do you do you find yourself just kind of siding with the goalkeeper and and that and and feeling that you know, he he did what he could, or or do you think that maybe? Yeah, I think of course you sympathize with the goalkeeper. Uh, it's the goalkeeper's union, so we we try to stick together. <laughs> sure. Of course, um, I, one of the things I think has, has happened, especially with someone like Bale and Ronaldo, who've scored so many free kicks, is they they get into your head. So you're always maybe gambling, thinking I've got to close this, or I'm going to take this away from them, and then they end up surprising you, going a different way. So I think it's just about keeping it simple. You you set up a wall. You protect that side of the goal with the wall and you protect your side as a goalkeeper. And ultimately, if they put it over the wall and go top corner, you're not going to save it either way. So <laughs> you have to put your hands up sometimes and show the guys respect. So I think it's just about trying to go back to simple ways and uh, and, and trying to make them beat you and not, not sort of beat yourself. Yeah, speaking of, of free kicks, going to that top corner, Messi, of course, and, and Copa America did that to the USA the other night, one of the greatest free kicks. I know a lot of us have ever seen, and you know we, we talk about that with a recency effect. Of course, we just saw it, so of course it looks amazing. But still, I think that one's going to last for a while. I don't know if you got a chance to to see that. Yeah, we watched the watched the game actually uh, a couple nights ago, and um, it's a fantastic free kick. I mean, even though it's goalkeeper side and Brad Guzan's taking half a step to to the side with the wall, and obviously trying to gamble a little bit, he didn't take that much of a step that way. And to to get back, and like I said, if it's top corner. It is so difficult either way, and just sometimes when we see quality and skill like that by Messi, then, like I said, you just put your hands up and respect to to, to an absolute unbelievable player. Yeah, tip the cap, um, Ben. Go. I want to go back to this this bracket, and I want to talk about England um, and Iceland because that game to me, um, it's 
it's such a banana peel for England because if they don't win, the critics are going to be on top of them more than, the, I mean, than usual, right? I mean, it's going to happen no matter what. But, um, but that matchup for them, it's it's great though, right? On on paper, they they should go through. Well, of course they should because um, you know they're they're a huge football nation and Iceland are not, and yet it doesn't always work out like that. One of the stories that that um, w- was told in the aftermath of these three games that England had, where they dominated possession in all of them um, and found it difficult to, to 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 score goals. In fact, only w- only one game has a one of their five strikers um, score goals in the Wales game when Vardy and Sturridge came off the bench to score. Was that Hodgson said it will find it easier in the knockout games because teams will want to come out and attack us. And we're finding it difficult to break teams down because they're putting 11 men behind the ball. And that's difficult for us. And what they're getting with Iceland is exactly that. Whereas if they'd have been drawn against Portugal, they'd have got a team that would have tried to attack them as well and left spaces behind for players like Vardy to run into. But actually... Iceland is similar to playing against Slovakia or, or Wales. They're going to sit deep and try and attack occasionally on the break. So it will be a similar game. And this time, I think England need to find the the player who can make the difference with with a bit of magic in the final third. And that's what's been lacking um, in, the, in the last few games. And I think it's a problem because Hodgson is a coach that really wants to be seen as an exciting um not risk taker, but certainly he really bristles at this idea that he's a conservative, cautious coach. And I think we've seen that throughout his decisions in this tournament. Even the decision to pick Marcus Rashford was quite a punchy call. An 18-year-old who made his debut in February. Um, not only did he call him up to the, to the 23-man squad, but he played him for the last 20 minutes against Wales. And he did well. So he's got five strikers, all of whom are talented in different ways. Hodgson doesn't want to be seen as a cautious coach. And yet he makes a big call um, against Slovakia in resting six players, including his captain, Wayne Rooney. And had they won that game, then England would be in the top half of the bracket and would be clear favourites to to have this run to the final. As it is, um, England are going to be favourites to beat Iceland and then play a quarter final, possibly against France, where... They won't be favourites. And if they lose in the quarterfinals, it will be seen as typical or average for England, which is exactly what happened in, in 2012 as well in the Euros. So there is really a no-win situation for Hodgson. He, if he doesn't win this game, he is certainly out of a job. Um, and if he does win, well, he's expected to do so anyway. So, um, you know, Iceland could go into it with absolutely no fear at all. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um Got um, you know some of your your Chelsea teammates are are, are on this uh, this England squad. Um, what do you make of of England and this team? Do you see it as as kind of a different uh, version of England than than teams in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think the, do England have an identity? You know, you, do you associate them with with being a strong defensive team with a counterattacking team? Uh, what 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 sort of team is it? I think they're a little bit in limbo at the moment and. I think everyone's really pushing the fact that they're young and they're up and coming and their future's bright. But you know, it, it's a, it's a difficult team to really put your put your finger on. Um, I think England, if the day, if on on their day and then they're really firing on all cylinders, then then um, then they're a top team. But I just still think on this team there's still more question marks than certainties. And 
Um, I'd like to see see maybe a couple of different players go to the Euros, but you know, ultimately they're they're a decent side. They've they've good quality, and they should be beating teams like Iceland, and they should be re- reaching quarterfinals of major tournaments. So no no questions asked, and uh, that's what obviously people would expect them to do. For sure. Um, what what do you make of the the Iceland story? Um, it's yeah. it's pretty spectacular. They didn't need the 2014 expansion to go through, right? They they finished second in their group. Uh, in, in qualifying um, and the Netherlands doesn't go through well listen this is it this is like a lesser city winning the Premier League um, I think it's a fantastic story about Iceland I think it's fantastic in Northern Ireland Hungary these teams and it just shows how much spirit and camaraderie means on a team you know, sometimes you might not have the most quality um, out there but if you can have breed that togetherness breed that culture of, of a great spirit and everyone fighting for one another then you're going to have success and that's that you know that beats quality every single time and I think um it's it's really great to see that this is this is breeding success now. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams and everyone will will pick on that and and try to improve those things. But it's uh, I think it's a fantastic story and just shows that everyone in the world can play football now. It's no no such thing as small teams and every game's uh, proving to be difficult now. Yeah, um, and and for Bosnia Herzegovina, um, obviously very close to to going through, and I'm sure it, it it's not easy to watch the Euros knowing how close <laughs> you guys were to. To being in there, losing in the in the uh, the playoff round to Ireland, um, but where where do you see you you guys kind of stacking up? Um, you know, in in the European landscape, obviously the talent is is there. I don't think anybody yeah. questions that. Yeah, um, it's it's bitterly disappointing that we didn't qualify. We had a terrible terrible start to qualifying. Um, hangover from the World Cup, lots of changes and things like that didn't help us, and that ultimately is what cost us our place. You know, when you have two points after four games, it's it's difficult to climb climb that mountain again. So um, it's uh, it's a disappointing. Hopefully, we'll use this motivation um, and start the next qualifying campaign for the World Cup on the right note and give ourselves a really good chance to be to be in the mix to qualify. Because I think when you look at the European teams, I think our ranking is in the top 20, 25 on a regular basis, and we um, we should be testing ourselves against these teams. And I believe we have the good enough quality. To uh, to challenge anyone, so you know we uh, it's just about us doing it, doing it on the pitch, and proving people that we are a decent side. Fair enough, um, Ben. You know these knockout games; they sometimes come down to to penalties. And I know that you are the the penalty master. You literally wrote the book on penalties. Uh, when when you look at these teams, uh, if if it were to come down to that, do you have one that is you know kind of stone cold, mentally ready for? For the penalty round, we've seen some players already miss penalties, overthink them a, a little bit, um, and it's a shame sometimes that these tournaments come down to them, but uh, but they will. Is, is there any side that kind of sticks out for you? Well, not really, because I think a lot of it depends on on the game state and what's happened in, you know, in the previous 120 minutes, who is the underdog, who has scored the, the last goal before the shootout. Um, uh, but, but I've been interested in that three players have missed penalties, and um, on two of those occasions, they were they were big players who were favoured to score. You know, Ronaldo missing against um, Austria and um, Sergio Ramos missing um, against Croatia. And the backstory to that one was really interesting because while Ramos was waiting to to take his penalty, um, Luka Modric got a message. Who, who's Ramos's teammate at Real Madrid? Got a message across to. Um, Subasic, the Croatian goalkeeper, as to where Ramos preferred to kick his penalties. And Sergio Busquets, Ramos's teammate, saw that that message was being relayed, so told uh, Ramos that 
Subasic has been told where he likes to kick it. So it was basically a, a bluff and a double bluff. So by the time the penalty was taken, Subasic thought that he knew where Ramos was going to take it. Ramos thought that Subasic knew where he was going to take it. And whatever happens in that situation, it's always the goalkeeper who will gain the advantage because there's extra doubt in the striker's mind. And sure enough, although Subasic did jump off his line very early, um, he made an excellent save that has proved to be, well, I think hugely decisive in, in potentially in terms of uh, the, the way this tournament ends up. Because if Spain are in the bottom half of the draw and you know facing a very tough tie against Italy, although they have beaten Italy in the last two Euros in the final four years ago and on penalties eight years ago, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting. I'm interested to um, to know from Azmir what he makes of uh, of Italy's performances in the group stage because mm. everyone is keeping an eye on, on Italy from a tactical point of view because of their coach, Antonio Conte. Now, in terms of the tactics and the coaching in the group stages, Conte has really stood out as, as one of the best coaches in the tournament. I just wanted to, to ask Azmir what he thought about that. Well, that's an interesting question, Ben, and I think I've been asked that quite a, quite a lot. And um, I think the one thing that's been, it's been great to see, obviously, is just the fact that he's a, he's a, he's a top-class manager. Um, I don't think it necessarily means what he's doing with Italy, he'll do with us um, starting next month at, at Chelsea because if you have a different group of players, um, different styles, different qualities. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we'll play with a three at the back or, or are we going to play a four at the back. So all that kind of stuff is remains to be seen. I think it's great to see that he is obviously that highly respected in terms of his tactical approach. He's obviously got huge, huge passion um, and, a, and a great work rate and, and is so organized. So uh, he's going to bring some really, really good qualities to our team. And, you know, someone that we're looking to uh, looking really forward to starting to work with and and taking aboard on his ideas and and obviously having a having a really good season. So um, that's, I think, the main thing I've taken away from from watching Italy so far. Italy, uh, like you said, Ben, has Spain uh, in the round of 16. Not an easy matchup at all. Um, before we close, I do want to take one question. We did a Facebook Live video before this podcast, and I want to honor one of the fans who came up with a, with a question for us. Uh, Maggie Guerrero asks, who is the best goalkeeper in this tournament? Oh, that's that's a very good question, Maggie. Um, I think so far, um, Gigi Buffon has done really, really well. Um, I think the boy McGovern is it from Northern yeah, Ireland. He's yeah. he's been really impressive, and it's nice to see. Um, so those those two have been really good. Hugo Lloris has been very solid for France. So um, you know, all top goalkeepers guys have um, played a high level in the, with their clubs and have been around for a while. So um, really good standard of goalkeeping overall, I would say. Asmir, what about Gabor Kirai? Surely the, <laughs> the fashion leader of the Euros in yeah. France, you know, fashion capital. He's played that well. He's made me think to start wearing sweatpants in, in games next season. So <laughs> he's been an inspiration and um, great for him. You know, he's had a huge, well, a long career and he's finally getting to play in a major tournament. So uh, fair play to, to how he's doing and, and performing. And, you know, he's obviously helping Hungary get some decent results. The sweatpants are, are <laughs> just some of the best things to come out of this tournament. The sweatpants and Will Grigg, uh, to me, are, are just the That's the where you're going to remember stars. Euro 20, 2016? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, see, well, the group stage, anyway. <laughs> we'll see. Um, as we want to thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and joining us. And Ben, you as well. Uh, a lot of interesting action to come in the coming few days. So we'll keep an eye out for that, and we'll talk about it all uh, on the next edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I want to thank our producer, Alex Abnos, I am Avi Creditor. We will talk to you next time.
about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.